Hey, hello! I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. You're listening to A Hair Obsessed. I'm your host, Julia, and today I'm interviewing an awesome stylist. Her name is Lauren Skinner, and her company is the District Hair and Company out of Columbus, Ohio, one of my favorite cities ever. And um, so we're just going to dive in and talk about everything from the hair extension company that she's an educator for to the type of scissors that she uses and her favorite styling tools. You name it, you know, this is off the cut, unedited, and you never know what you're going to get. I will let you know that Lauren is really good at what she does. And she has a program where she actually has a 12 week, six months to six figures where she mentors stylists. So if you are a new or struggling stylist and you have been looking for a mentor, then you're going to want to hook up with my girl, Lauren. You can find her at Instagram at Lauren Atha Skinner. And those, the link to that will obviously be in the show notes here. So reach out to her. Let her know you heard her on the podcast. We're super excited that you're here. Let's jump right in. I have an amazing hair artist, educator, and boss babe with me today. And she's going to introduce herself. And I'm really excited because marketing is her jam. And she also likes extensions, which I'm just a little tiny bit obsessed with. So I can't wait to pick your brain and hear what you have to share with us today. So welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So where are you actually located? I see it looks pretty sunny where you're at. Yeah, it's deceiving. Um, It's freezing outside. I'm from <laughs> Ohio and it's been snowy and cold for the last week or so. Yeah. Yeah. So we're neighbors. I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> So you have your own salon. Tell us like about your business setup. So I'm currently working out of a studio, but I've owned salons uh, in the past and I have um, a barbershop as well that I'm a part of. So, but I work out of a studio behind the chair, just myself and an assistant. Okay. And what's your studio called? So we're under um, the District Hair Co. Pulling it all together because we do a little bit of everything. Um, And I think it's hard to encompass the brand that pulls everything in right because there's Mm -hmm. we work with our clients we work with other stylists we work with other people in the industry in general right makeup lashes waxing sd all of that so we kind of i kind of built a platform across the board that could encompass anything that kind of pops up along the way So when you say this brand and education, do you have like an online business and your brick and mortar business? What does that whole umbrella of Lauren look like? (laughs) Um, I am a jack of all trades. I, so I have what I do behind the chair. Um, So I work behind the chair with clients directly. um, And that's where I specialize in extensions and color. And then of course that Um, is also paired with educating nationally with an extensions brand. So I paired with Aqua Hair Extensions um, and am teaching for them nationally now, which is super exciting. That is, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so that's super exciting and super challenging as we go through, you know, switching to online education versus hands-on. So that's been super exciting and fun and challenging all in its own right. 
Um, so that's kind of my behind the chair side. And then I also kind of mentor and coach other stylists through building their business behind the chair, because honestly, I think it can be hard to handle all different aspects. You know, we're expected to work with clients. We're expected to know how to do the art of it. We are expected to build a business and know the business end of it and the numbers. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of hairstylists are just artistic and want to come to work and do their job and make things pretty. And sometimes the other side can get a little bogged down or a little heavy and can be overwhelming. So I like to yeah. stylists through that. Do you think that it's as a stylist, it's better to be your own boss and do something like a commission? I mean, not that you're your own boss and your commission, but something like a commission-based salon or a booth rental or a suite rental, or just to go like the employee model if you just want to get your hands on hair and get your paycheck and go home? I, I think that there's a time and a place for everything. I think it really depends on what your goal is as a stylist. And I think that every avenue has its benefits. And maybe maybe there are benefits for a time and then you transition later. Um, so I really don't have a favorite, so to say, um, but I am currently loving having a studio for myself to work out of um, and working with my clients directly. It's a little more intimate than being in an open air salon with, you know, eight mm -hmm. to 10 other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's currently And then what's, what's the role that your assistant plays? Because I'm obviously fresh out of school, so I don't even know what uh, I need to do and what an assistant needs to do. So what's her role? How does she assist you and help you make your job easier? Um, she probably would like this description as well. Um, <laughs> I think for my assistant personally right now, her job really, she's been with me for a year. Um, so it's evolved. When she started, it was shampoos, blow dries, working on mannequins and models to test out of certain things. Um, and then as she became more comfortable with my clientele and my clientele became more comfortable with her because obviously there's a trust to build there. Um, she stepped into the role of if my schedule is booked and somebody needs in, she can take one of my clients. Um, pretty much do almost everything I do. Um, so it really, like, she's built the relationship with them now at this point where she's kind of, she's my right hand. Um, and then, of course, she does inventory, towels, um, organizing and cleaning, because everything comes out of place at the end of the day. Yeah. So the typical. So I, to circle back to the marketing, because... <laughs> Um, I, I have a background of online. I've actually been online marketing for seven years yes. and taking a business online at my first business was a invitation studio. So I was offline before Facebook and all that. So for me, I'm kind of doing it backwards and I get the business end of it and I have that marketing mindset, but for new people that, you know, they graduate and they need to fill a book or they, you know, even a seasoned stylist that relocates and needs to fill a book. Like what, do, what's like a big tip that you have for somebody to do that? I think consistency is key no matter what platform you choose. Um, I think that your platform you choose can be based on the target audience that you have. So I really promote Instagram and Facebook, but I personally would market on one for one thing and one for another. Um, so I think your younger generation is going to be your Instagram, of course. Um, your kind of 
what I used to call your bread and butter clients um, are going to be a little bit older. They're going to be a little bit more established. They're looking for their every six to eight weeks. They're going to be on Facebook. So um, I think establishing your target market is the first thing to do and then picking your platform. And then honestly, it's just consistency. Your content, it can be fire, but if you're only putting it out, you know, once a month randomly, you're not going to get as many eyes on it. But if you're putting out, you know, average content daily, your content will in turn get better because of the consistency, but also your reach is going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, pe- and people do build a trust with that. Consistency is, is the key to building that trust and that relationship. Now, when you say using that platform, do you suggest doing paid posts or just the organic reach that you get with your following? So again, not just kind of a blanket statement um, answer to that. I think that paid works, but only when done the right way. Um, So knowing your average cost per click, and knowing that, you know, if you put out a bunch of little $5 ads here and there, they're probably not going to return more than a couple clicks because right now I want to say the average price per click is around $1.70, $1.72. But if you put out a $5 ad daily for 30 or 60 days, then yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see feedback on that. You're going to see consistency come back to you as well. So I think, I think that paid ads are done, are done right and work if thought through and they're intentional. Is that something that you help other stylists do? Do you have like a program for that or resources? Yeah, I so I work with people one-on-one. Um, I'm formalizing that process right now, um, but I do. I, I like to work with people through that. And I'm, like I said, I'm formalizing the, the process of that to have a program set so that people can kind of work through it at their own pace. Um, and, and figure that out. And if they need further help, I'm always, I'm always available through my, my social channels. All right. And what, what's that? So if they're like thinking, oh my gosh, I want a mentor, where can they find you like right now? The quickest and easiest is Instagram. And I'm just under my full name right now. So it's at Lauren Atha Skinner. It's Lauren Atha is A-T-H-A, last name Skinner. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And here's a little thing when you guys are picking social media handles, like don't, if you go with your name, people can find you and don't go with something wacky. Like my first business was love to be creative because my email was love to be creative at Gmail. And I was naming my studio and my boss is like, why don't you just use your email address? And I was like, great idea. <laughs> so for 10 years, I was L O V E number B letter to like letter to, well, I can't even say it now number two letter B like no E the word creative and I was like I am never making a crazy name again (laughs) it can get it can get lost it can be hard to find and someone's someone may take the time to try to find you but if it's too too different or too creative it can be hard to actually find and follow through yeah you have to be easy they have to be accessible yeah exactly Oh, awesome. So I'm excited to see the work that you do with people because that's totally up my alley. Um, what inspired you to go into the hair industry? Was it a person? A, what? Tell us about that. Oh, man. Um, honestly, it's weird times right now. So it's weird to talk about this, but um, it was the recession of 08. And I was actually in event planning and I got certified to do events, was so excited 
printed out my business card, started my business and was ready to hit the ground running and the recession hit and DIY weddings came to, you know, the forefront of the trend. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I worked really hard (laughs) to build a business based on people having, you know, additional like excess income to spend on these weddings. And now they're all trying to spend, you know, an eighth of the cost that they used to. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe the recession won't last too long. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be positive. Um, So I was like, what else can I offer to the wedding industry, right? If I'm going to plan weddings, what can I offer to clients that I can also get paid for, but it can kind of take up my time now and get certified and, and really work towards supporting this other industry that I've been a part of. So I sold wedding dresses and went to school for hair and I ended up falling in love with updos and in our world, you either love them or hate them. (laughs) I fell in love with them. Um, So updos and extensions became my first thing. And I sold wedding dresses to get my brides and my wedding parties for hair translated that into business on the side for hair. And then I took the bridal parties that I had gotten as clients. I would do the weddings, but then I would follow up. I would try to get the bride in for color and extensions prior. And then I would follow up with all the other girls for appointments. And that's how I started. I built, I built my clientele off of that. I love it. So when did you go to, like, when did you decide to go to school in there? Like how long was your program? So I did a 12 month program. Um, so I went full force for a year, got in, got out. Um, I went through Aveda. So I was an Aveda baby and, um, I went back in Oh nine. So it's been a while. <laughs> Hot minute. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I love that too, because I worked with brides in love to be creative for from 2000, which is the year I got married. I did my own wedding invitations and then some, you know, at the time, like in, there was not so much the DIY stuff, but I, my boss was again, like, well, you're a designer. Why don't you do your own yeah. invitations and print them at work? And I was like, good idea. And then friends and family started coming to me saying like, I found this phrase on an invitation, but I want it like this color and I want to add this. And, and then I did my, um, spin teacher at the gym wanted invitations and she was like on the knot, like before Facebook. And then that blew up and I was doing invitations for people all over the country. It was crazy just from like one person how this like business just took off and it kept me busy for 10 years. And then I was also selling 31, which I still sell. And at that time I was like, Hmm, like I've got these two businesses they are both competing with each other. And like the 31 was starting to go really, really good. And it was like more fun to go shopping and like drink wine with (laughs) women than it was to like play with my computer all by myself, but I've always (laughs) missed my brides. And so that was one thing that I thought when I was like, I go to cosmetology school. I can just work like one day a week. I can do weddings on Saturdays. I can get back with my brides, but that's like a really uh, like interesting way to build your book is with the yeah. brides and then getting them in, in your chair. And of there's course a, with the extensions, you yeah. get them hooked on that. And there's a full business to be made just from doing the weddings because you're going to have trial runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a little piece of advice. If you do that, don't do your trial runs on the end of the week, because a lot of times they'll use that to go out to, you know, a bachelorette party or a dinner. <laughs> so I always do my trial runs, um, like Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. 
Um, mainly because a lot of times you're not gonna, they're not gonna tell you to do the look that they want on their wedding day. They're gonna ask for something else and then they're gonna tell you they wanna change it on their <laughs> wedding day. So I learned that one quick. But you know, by the time you do trial runs a couple of days through the week and then you do the wedding, you know, the wedding parties and stuff like that, and you can have two to three a weekend if you really wanna push it. And that's a business in itself, but without even having to go behind the chair. Um, so there's, it's crazy. It's a, it's a great industry. You have to love it as far as the wedding side of it. Um, but it, it's great. It served me well for quite a few years. I actually just stopped doing weddings like two or three years ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it was hard. I kept saying every year, I was like, I'm done with weddings. Like I, I can't do it. I can't fit in my schedule. And then I'd have like 24 weddings that year. And I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, probably like the instant gratification is pretty good. Like what's the most amount of money you've walked away with, like on a wedding day? On a wedding day? Um, well, I, I can say the biggest weekend I had, I had ended up actually putting together two teams to meet me at places. So I had two teams of girls curling. Um, so probably four girls curling for me. And then I would pin everything up. We had... Okay four weddings that weekend and I probably walked away a little over like five thousand dollars on the few days wow yeah it was stressful though I wouldn't recommend doing that many weddings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it was a learning lesson for sure it was 100% a learning lesson <laughs> and did you get clients from from yeah. those four weddings that you still see today yeah. And, you know, of course, over the course of 10 years, people move, people have kids, people, you know, people do different things. So you, you always have like a little bit of a revolving door, but I've been really lucky for the last, I'd say I spent a couple years building. And then um, for the last like seven to eight years, I really kept a solid clientele. Um, I only trade out, you know, five to 10 a year, maybe. Otherwise everyone else is pretty solid. And um I'm very lucky to call most of my clients are, are friends and family at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of was saying in my business, like once a client, always a friend. Cause that's, yep. that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, so you love to educate yourself. Is there somebody that inspires you? Like I love watching Matt Beck videos. Is there a place that you go to get inspired or learn new techniques? Yeah. So as far as hair goes, um, I, I follow a lot of, um, balayage artists. So I follow Jay Ladner. I follow um, Gina Bianca. I follow um, extensions. I follow Katie Rogers. Um, and a lot of times I'm a perfectionist. So I will, if I get some hands-on, like if I see something, I'll, I'll get some hands-on time on a mannequin or something and I'll do it until I get it right. So <laughs> um, I'm kind of I'm a quick learner, but I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that. Um, so I'd say those are like my top three that I follow. And then I got a lot of business advice from um, business mentors and business coaches that I then translate into our industry, which is great too. Okay. So I think you. sometimes there's a lot of stuff in our industry that can be kind of influenced a little by outside industries that will actually enhance what we do. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. That makes sense. And uh, just to go back to the extension company that you're with, how yeah. did, cause I was like Googling extensions for like yeah. a week to all hours of the day. 
trying to like figure out what hair is ethically sourced and what company is legit. How did you find the company that you wanted to partner with? So um, I kind of backed in it the opposite way that you're looking, right? So you're looking for um, kind of that quality and that story behind it first. I kind of, as I grew in extensions, I started with one method and then I kind of expanded from there. So I started with keratin. Um, it hit the, the market like pretty hard, like 10 or 11 years ago with a couple different main brands. And so I, I started with one, kind of did, you know, their training, got their product, worked with it a little, and then decided to try the other. And then I, a, a company came on the market for eye tips. So I was like, okay, I'm trying eye tips. So I kind of taught myself along the way, but I totally product hopped. Um, and then what I realized is I carried three or four lines in order to offer all the methods that I wanted to offer. Cause one method doesn't serve everybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need a combo method. Um, to this day, I still will do a lot of combo methods. I'll do a whole head of hand tides, but I'll put keratin fusions around the face because they get thinner around the face or something along that nature. But ultimately I stumbled upon, um, aqua because they offer all five application techniques and they offer the highest quality Remy hair. And then the more I learned about the company, I learned that it was ethically sourced. I learned the process behind it and I just fell in love with the company itself. So I kind of backed in the opposite way, <laughs> but and are hard. they, there's a lot are of they, out there. Yeah. Are they in the States here? Or are they? What's, yeah. So they their headquarters of? is out of, um, I want to say it's Miami, but it's, it's out of Florida. Um, so the headquarters, I'm sure there's so many extensions in Miami. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think Miami is their actual address, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's all local. The team, like the team is still small enough that, um, if you need anything, you can literally reach out to the national educators or the, um, education director through social and everyone's going to get back to you. It's, it's very well done. Awesome. Now, as far as having an extension business in the midst of COVID, do you find people are scaling back on their discretionary purchases like their hair or are they like, that is their thing. And because they're showing up on zoom and whatnot, that they are like keeping up with their hair. So I feel like honestly, in a time where we're all kind of taking a hit mentally, to be honest, like just I think everyone across the board, every industry, COVID has taken a toll. And I think the one thing that people want is to feel good. Um, So I have not felt the hit. I've had a few people that have had to take a step back. Um, Ironically, none of my extensions people. These are like my color people. Um, But I think that, like I said, in a time where where maybe our mental is taking a pretty tough hit, I I think people just want to feel good about themselves. And what what, what is our job? Our job is to be a day maker. Our job is to make people feel good. Um, and so they may press out an extra week before their maintenance, but they're still coming. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I haven't slowed down since we got back. Um, and my heart breaks for everyone who keeps having to shut down and reopen because the un, like instability and the unknown, um, I, I just, it was hard enough the first time. And we haven't, we haven't slowed down. So dealing with that, um, my heart goes out to the rest of the, 
the industry as well in the different states and, and kind of the different things that are being implemented, whether that be a shutdown or, or a mandate that goes in place. So, yeah. So speaking of that, again, because I'm like a multipreneur, as are you, yeah. how important do you think it is to like diversify your income and what you do as far as not having all your eggs in one basket? I think that it is the most important thing. I think you have to diversify your income. You have to mix up your portfolio a little bit. And I honestly think our industry is one of the easiest industries to stay in your industry, but still diversify. Um, we have so many opportunities to sell merch. We have so many opportunities to create payment plans and memberships. Um, and those things all come with contracts. So um, there, there are different avenues to, to each one, but there are other ways that we can support ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of hairstylists in the beauty industry are a part of an MLM at some point or another, and they promote that. And that again, gives a residual income through maybe a, what be, what could be a rocky time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it would be no secret that I have had motives to hand my clients a 31 catalog while they're mm-hmm. under the dryer or something. Cause sure. I was online for so many years and then I relocated and I had my first party booked and then COVID happened. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like how on earth am I going to meet people? And then I was like, well, that's another benefit of beauty school. Like I'll meet people. I hand them the catalog. They'll go shopping while they're getting their hair done. But yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of what we do. Ultimately we are one of the only industries that if we create something else over here, we have a, an audience in our chair captive for a long period of time. And so we can, we can present anything, anything you put in front of them, whether you talk about it or not, anything you put in front of them on your station, they're going to see. <laughs> I mean, we, we are the only industry that has like a, a held captive audience like that. And I, it's, right. it's beautiful. We can do so much with that. Yeah. Speaking of having product on your station, when it comes to hair products, how do you get your clients to go home with product or order product from you? So um, it was drilled into me in school. And then, um, like I mentioned, I was an Aveda baby and I feel like they have a really good system. And then as I kind of work in other parts of the industry, so when I sold wedding dresses, um, that was also a place that I learned a lot. My biggest tip that I can say is you have to hit them five to seven times for your touches in order for them to ultimately subconsciously commit to that purchase. So when I have a client sit down, the first thing I do when I'm assessing their hair is put the product I think I might use in front of them on the station. Even if my product is sitting to the side, I pull it up and put it in the middle in the front of the station. So if they're looking at themselves, they have to look over or through (laughs) the product, right? And then I tell them what I'm going to be using. And I'm going to say, we're going to use this because of this. We're going to use this because of this. And this will add this. So we tell them their benefits. And then I go back, I do the service. And I mention it two or three more times throughout the service um, of why that product would be good. And, And only if it comes up in conversation, right? And then when I go to use it, I again explain, okay, so remember, we're going to use this one because of this. And then I put it on, explain to them how it's used. And then by the end, you've dried their hair that you've styled it and they're looking at it. And of course we style it different than they do. So it's, you know, groundbreaking. 
And then I'm like, yeah, aren't those three products great that we just used? I have all three of them here. And you make them tell you no. And that's, I think, the key. I think we all get um, nervous in the beginning to be like, oh, you're already spending money on your service. Like, I guess if you really want this product, you know, that'd be great. Here it is. I think it's better to approach it in, okay, so I have your shampoo, your conditioner, and your wet styling product. Do you want to throw the hairspray in as well? Make them tell you no, or make them say, oh, actually, I think I'll just do the wet styling and the hairspray. I'll hold off on the shampoo and conditioner. Because nine times out of 10, they're not going to tell you no. And then they're going to start using better product, which means your creative masterpiece you just made is going to look better. And it's going to come back to you better, which gives you a better canvas to work on the next time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think people sometimes like, I know I'm not asked, you know, they're just like, they do your hair and you, and you leave and you're, cause I've had to hop to all hairdressers. And so you want to be like felt taken care of like this is, yeah. So I think that's some great tips there. Um, and assuming like, let's just assume that they want to buy the product and let's not just assume that you're annoying them and they're going to have to spend more money. Like you said, they're yeah. already investing in their hair, gives you a better canvas for when they come back. Yeah. So I've like literally that. heard stories where clients will leave getting their hair done and go to Ulta to buy something because they're looking for a product, but the stylist never said anything because they assumed they wouldn't want to purchase it. Right. So if we assume the opposite and give them the opportunity to tell us no, and people will, if they've already got something, they'll, they'll say something. Um, but, but don't assume that someone doesn't need it because you don't know who wants to buy. Right. If If you don't emotional shoppers. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, everybody wants to buy stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. And I, I have some teachers that were, we had multiple teachers in our school, which was really awesome. And some of them were booth runners and some of them were salon owners. And I think the booth. Yeah. It was interesting. The booth runners did not sell products. And I was like, what? Like, I'm like, how can you just use hairspray on somebody and like not even have it for sale? It just blew my mind that they're busting their butt being behind the chair and then like going home to little kids, but they're not selling products. But see, that goes back to how like essentially as a booth runner or or a booth renter or a salon owner, you're running your own business and there are so many factors to running it that it can become overwhelming. And the first one to go is the retail. And it's crazy to me because that's the one that, that gives you an income that gives you a kickback. Um, And so I I do think it's a common thing for sure. And I think people go in waves um, and it's definitely something we have to start reversing in the industry. Yeah. And I think people forget, which I've studied so hard and learned online that Sales is service. Sales is service. When you give somebody a solution, you're solving a problem for them. And there's nothing icky, sleazy, slimy, or salesy about that. Yeah. No, if you're, if you're truly solving a problem for somebody, um, there, there's nothing to be feel guilty or feel shame about. You're, you're actually providing them a benefit. You're doing something to enhance their quality of life in some way, shape, or form. And, and I think that that's kind of something that's internal for a lot of hairstylists, especially when we go off on our own, because if we've been in a commission world where we're, you know, a W2 employee, we were given goals of selling product. That's what makes it like that 
connection right there, I think is what makes us feel like um, internally, like maybe there, there is some shame or guilt, right? But if you can detach from that feeling, but still try to hit those goals when you're on your own and realize you are, you're fixing a problem and they are going to be thankful for that. It, it, you can get over that hurdle pretty easily. Just mm-hmm. better remind yourself. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you, are you exclusive to like a product line? Are you trying different things? What, what, what's your retail situation? I'm not exclusive right now. Um, as far as my back bar, I'm exclusive. I use uh, like Lonza Color and I use Shades EQ as my, my liquid toners. Um, I am currently using Amika and Eleven. Um, so those are kind of my two back bars. I'm working on some Kevin Murphy, fingers crossed. I'll get that and I love Kevin Murphy, but Eleven is the sister company. So can't complain about the quality there. Um, just kind of a cheaper price point for the same standard of product um, and less options in the line. And then my go-to dry styling is 110% um, Air Professionals. It's A-I-I-R Professionals. Love it. Definitely, definitely stuck on that one. What's the one tool you couldn't live without? My bioionic curling iron. (laughs) It's an extended barrel. So you get about two extra inches of curl length and it makes the perfect curls, especially when you're working with extensions and long hair. Ah, That's true. I never even thought of that. I don't even know that I've seen that. I've always seen like the standard size. Are you learning something new every day? Bioionic all the way. All right. So what kind of dryer do you use? Um, I'm currently, I'm, I've worked with a couple, I'm not going to lie, but I do offer Brazilian blowouts and I do have a Brazilian blowout dryer right now. Um, I will be honest, it's not my absolute fave for just regular styling. So I'm currently, uh, on the look for, for my go-to on that. Okay. So if y'all got tips for Lauren on the best dryer, let her know. I know in the groups are always asking like, who likes their Dyson or their Gamma? And we've got all these flashy yeah. tools to like entice us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you use the... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, go ahead. You're fine. Um, my teacher had, she used to do Brazilian blowouts and then she got pregnant. And so she stopped because she was like, eh, like probably shouldn't do them anymore. And then she just didn't go back to them, but she has the Brazilian blowout brush with like the cork handle. So I got, is that what you use? I do. I love that brush. Um, I also love Brazilian blowouts. They're a fabulous add-on. And depending on where you're located, that's a killer add-on for a ticket to up that, you know, price per ticket cost. But um, I do love their brush and I will sometimes use their flat iron, but my go-to for um, other uh, tools to work with and stuff are um, Amica retailed tools. So like, I like their flat irons and things like that. Um, so I, I bounce back and forth between Brazilian blowouts and Amica's on that, but I love Brazilian blowouts round brush. Cool. For cool. Sure. Good to know. Yeah. And so, so you're into the extensions of education to hair. How mm-hmm. did you feel about skin and nails? Did you ever get into manis and petties and any of that stuff with your brides or anything? I don't like doing pedicures. <laughs> I like the artistic side of manicures, um, but I don't have the patience and I cannot do the same thing over and over. I have to have like a change up. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't do any of that. No skin, never really had an interest. 
which is not my thing. <laughs> I know. I have this idea that I want to do like, I didn't put on my Christmas lift, the little petty bowl that you can take out the insert. And yeah. um, I was figuring like, well, the color's sitting on their hair. I'm going to do give pedicures. And like, so most <laughs> of my friends are like, feet are so gross. Like I'm never doing a pedicure. <laughs> I, I mean, there are a ton of ways, like when you are building your clientele and if you're on your own, of course there are ways to pop, you know, a pedicure or a polish change or something in, in that downtime while they're processing. Um, but yeah, I did not like feet enough to, to make that work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's great. It was fun though. In school when we had like pedicure days, it was like, great. We get to give each other pedicures. And we were all like complaining about our weird toes. And I was like, great. We all have a weird toe or something. So it's okay. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, it's fun in school, but uh, yeah, as far as, as far as when you get out, you're not working on your friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I, Oh, the last thing with technical and tools is we scissors are you swivel thumb straight do you have extensive shears or not so I should have more than I do um I am not a master cutter I will blend extensions things like that but when it comes to um cutting I don't reach out to the I don't reach out looking to the target audience of um really technically you know precise cuts or um, pixies, shorter cuts, none of that. So I have one pair of shears currently, and then I have texturizing shears and um, razors and things like that. But I don't do a swivel thumb, keep it really basic. And I use a shorter uh, shear length. And what do you find the advantage of using the shorter? I found a little more control, but also my hands aren't super big. So I feel like that too, like I need bigger fingers or something. (laughs) like don't go past the second knuckle I'm like I can't cut anything yeah yeah no I my hands are kind of tiny and so like the shorter shear length to me it also it was more control but it also forced me to like take a cut not go past my second knuckle stop a minute readjust Mm -hmm. um so I think it just really kept me controlled but I've cut with other shears I've looked at other shears I've laid out, you know, my list of top 10 next years I need to purchase. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. You, yeah, side note, you can make a lot of money doing hair. You can also spend a lot of money buying all the toys. Yes, to we, do can. Good <laughs> we can spend every single penny we make and more. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. So I think that answers all my questions. Is there any like parting words of wisdom you want to share with anybody like when the when the days get tough or you know juggling mommyhood and and your career like what advice do you have oh my gosh um balance just in general is the hardest thing to find especially when you're um, a parent and you know you're dealing with career you're dealing dealing with the industry I think this industry makes it um, a little harder to disconnect when you leave at the end of the night so um balance find it keep it do whatever you have to, to kind of put your phone down and give yourself, whether it's a half hour every day or an hour or whatever, balance is key. So, and so what's your go-to thing that when you unwind? Oh man. Uh, I have a couple of things. Sometimes, sometimes it's really hard for me to get away from my phone. So I need to literally put it in another room and walk away. 
Um, I thoroughly enjoy the gym, even if I don't have a like specific workout I'm trying to do, just walking on the treadmill to get away from things. Um, I feel like I'm walking somewhere. Clearly I'm not, (laughs) but I'm walking far away from it, you know? Um, and then when I, when my son is awake and if it's not like an evening hour that I'm trying to relax, um, you know, my son and I will, will play games or watch a movie or something like that. Just something that we can disconnect together. And then again, my phone is in another room. So your son, by the way, is completely adorable. (laughs) I think he knows that too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just wait till he's a teenager. We're practically there. (laughs) He reminds me every day. (laughs) (laughs) I know my daughter's 14. She's like, in two more years, I can drive. And in two more years, I'm going to be out of the house. And I'm like, (laughs) which side note was actually another reason. I have so many reasons why I went to cosmetology school. I have to do another episode on that, but I don't have another, like I have one baby. I've always wanted more. We still think about fostering to adopt or whatever. And when she's out of the house, like, what the heck am I going to do? So I have to tell my husband, I was like literally crying when he was like, I don't think that was like a great time to go to beauty school. We were moving and stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to have a purpose in four years. I'm like, I need to start doing something now. So when she graduates, I'll like have a clientele and a new like outlook on life. So it's my anti-emptiness plan, I call it. Yeah, it's so hard. I I think about it all the time. Um, You know, when I graduated and kind of got my start and then decided to open a salon, he was so young. So I kind of, I mean, to be honest, I had to choose, right? Like I was growing a salon or I would miss out, you know, in order to do that, I would miss out on some stuff with him. And I kept saying, oh, I have time. Oh, I have time. And then I had his 10th birthday and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I don't have any more time. Like, you know, and that's the thing. And that's why I say balance is key because it's very easy to to get caught up or to forget because you're, you're doing what you have to do for the business side. Um, but it goes so fast and he's my only one too. So I, I think about the same thing. It's like, you, he's counting down the years to driving. He's counting down the years to all these big decisions. And I was like, no, 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 Like you need to decide what color Legos you want to play with. And <laughs> like, do you want juice or milk? <laughs> I know. So, I know. Yeah, it goes quick. And I do try to embrace like at every stage. Like I remember like looking at her when she was like little and like, she's so cute. And like now she has like teal hair. Like she used to have long blonde hair, like to like the middle of her back, completely like never touch. I've chopped five inches off three times through the course of beauty school. I've taken it bright pink. Oh my God. Now, now it's teal, but I'm like, well, how can I not give her pink hair if she wants it? So I, I'm just like letting her express herself because as a mom, like, feel like that's our job even if it's like totally not my style like she wants these like black platform boots that like go up to her knees with what with these like big silver buckles and to me they like like look terrifying and I'm like why like and my husband's like those are like goth boots like we're not getting her those for Christmas and I'm but at the same time I'm like but I like we need to just embrace her for who she is and if that's her style which is like I was like how is this my child and I was like oh now I know how I feel about my mom because I'm like how did I come from my mom we're so different and now I have my own daughter who I'm so different from so I firmly believe we get a child that's completely opposite of us and it's just payback for what we did to our (laughs) 100% yeah so I just try to embrace like every stage like and not 
like want to be reminiscent and sad when I see like the old little Christmas videos of her like dancing around and singing like I'm an elf and I'm like where's my little baby I just want to say like you know now she's 14 and like one day she's going to be like 24 and I'm going to go where's my little sweet teenager that used to yeah. be home you know I guess so that, to, like, that would be like my main my other main takeaway for everybody is like being present because that is hard it's hard in personal life it's hard in in business because you know you're always trying to do better I think in, in, with our kids too, it's like, we're always thinking about, like you said, like back to the past. It's like, oh, I miss that. I miss that age. I miss that, that time. But then we kind of miss right the now. time we're in. Yeah. yeah. And I did that for a few years. I was like, oh man, I miss those little years. And then I'm like, wait, I just missed like three more years. <laughs> so now I'm right? like balanced, try to be present, try to enjoy and, you know, set aside that time. Cause it, they tell you it goes quick, but it goes real quick. They, they're not kidding. They are no. not kidding. The older they get, the quicker it just goes. I do remind her that she can flunk out of school, get terrible <laughs> grades and live with me forever. It's a okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think my, my kid would somewhat be in line with that game plan. He'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> can I play video games? My daughter, my daughter actually said to me, mom, I would rather die than live with you the rest of my life. <laughs> That's how that conversation went. It's, a, it's the age. Mine will be there in a few years. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. So we do all these things to like provide for our kids and be flexible. And then we find our nose in the grindstone stuck to our job. It is so hard. Y'all, if somebody has figured this whole thing out, like juggling your self-career and your mommyhood, like let us know, like you yeah. got a podcast, like we want to listen to it because yes. it is no joke. Send it my way. <laughs> I somehow missed the uh, sign up for the for the uh, instruction book on how to raise my my little guy. I know, right? It just <laughs> no. There's and I always think that when I see those when you're driving and you see the little orange signs that say like rough road ahead, I was like, why doesn't life come with that? Like you just don't know when those little signs are gonna pop up. Like we should get a warning when you're driving. Like there's a rough road ahead, but no, not. Yeah, not in entrepreneurship and parenthood. You just hit those patches and you're like, whoa, what was that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you got to learn to pivot and figure it out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was such a joy to spend a little bit of time with you in the hair obsessed history that will live here forever on the interwebs. So thank you for your time, Lauren. I'm, I'm super excited to connect with you. I want to learn more about your extensions company because I obviously did not figure out that piece of pie. It sounds amazing. And um, I'm going to take notes on some of those mentors that you follow and put that in the show notes so that you all can go follow those too. Um, so thank you. Thank you for being here. I super duper appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, and here's something really cool. If you are a stylist looking to up your income and lower your hours, Lauren is putting out a program in the spring that's going to be really amazing. So make sure you find her on her Instagram and keep an eye on her because I know she's going to be launching this amazing program and I may or may not be doing some coaching with Lauren. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm super excited about this podcast. I am so happy that you're here. And hey, have you ever thought, I want to have a podcast? Well, guess what? 
I'm super excited to let you know I can help you with that. I have a brand new course called Podcast Baby, where I will take you step-by-step in 30 days to creating your very own podcast and getting it out there in the world. If that's something that you're interested in, you can find out more at mypodcastbaby.com.